Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Episode, I believe the 242nd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Emhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger, and you can find me right now in my car after a 23 to 6 Seahawks victory. Uh, the rest of the crew is busy with New Year's Day shenanigans, so you've got me, and uh, I'll be happy to hang out with you for a little while, talk about the game. Happy New Year's to everybody. Seahawks start off 2023 undefeated. They're 1-0 in 2023. And there's a lot to like about this football game. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I'll try to check out some questions from you all in the chat as much as I can. Um, I'm not driving, <laughs> so don't worry about that for the moment. Um, yeah, interesting ball game. Interesting ball game, and, and we'll talk about a couple things outside the game. But uh, first, implications, which I'm sure you've seen elsewhere. First things first, the Seahawks, with a victory today, have kept their playoff hopes alive. And with the Commanders losing, they were eliminated. So it's really down to the Seahawks and the Packers uh, for that final playoff spot, um, I believe. There's a chance maybe. I don't know if the Lions are still alive. Feel free to tell me if they are. But what has to happen for the Seahawks to get in is the Seahawks have to beat the Rams at home next week. 
And then the Lions have to go into Lambeau Field and beat Green Bay in Lambeau Field. So regardless of what happens if the Seahawks don't make it, whether, you know, obviously if the Packers win, they're in. If the Seahawks lose, I don't think that they, I think maybe if the Lions won and the Packer and the Seahawks lost, maybe the Lions would be in. Um, I'm not totally sure. But in any event, um, what matters for Seattle fans is a win plus a Packers loss and the Seahawks will be in the playoffs. Most likely scenario, Seahawks are not going to the playoffs. <laughs> like, there's a chance. I think the, the Packers are maybe three-point favorites heading into that game next week. Obviously, the Lions played uh, a good game today against a very bad Bears team at home in Detroit. And the, the Lions have a terrific offense. So who knows? Crazier things have happened. Division games are weird. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Certainly, maybe even the better news of the day, even the, the Seahawks victory, was speaking of weird division games, the Broncos very nearly beat the Chiefs. But thank God the Chiefs won. That was huge for Seattle. Russell Wilson gets sacked uh, again, throws a costly interception again, and the Chiefs did just enough to secure a three-point win at home. What that means is that the Seahawks are guaranteed no lower than a top-five pick in this draft. Huge, 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 huge. And so, look, if we signed up at the beginning of the season for the Seahawks to win eight or nine games for their draft class to look great for them to potentially have the offensive rookie of the year or the defensive rookie of the year, or at least come up second place in both if they don't get those awards and for their quarterback to play pro bowl level and to get a top five pick from the Broncos and a top five second round pick from the Broncos I don't know who wouldn't have signed up for that. So that that's, you know, this season has never been about this season. I've said that before. This is about building towards where the Seahawks need to be. And whew, thank goodness the Broncos have given us that top five pick. There is a decent chance because I believe the Colts play the, the Texans next week. If the Colts can win that game, that would guarantee the Seahawks a top four pick. And so, and the Chargers played really well this week. I, I think it's debatable what it means for that game in the final week of the season. The Chargers play in Denver. And I believe that game will have implications for the Chargers playoff seeding. Who knows whether or not the Chargers are going to care about playoff seeding more than resting guys. Let's hope that they do. If the Chargers beat the Broncos, the Seahawks will have the third pick in the draft next year. Unless, for some reason, you think the Bears are going to win <laughs> next week. I don't even know who the Bears are playing, but, I mean, I don't know how the Bears are going to beat anybody at this point. Um, and so assume that the Seahawks would have the third pick if the Broncos lose. Chargers are getting stronger. They, they got Joey Bosa back. They've got Mike Williams playing. They've got Keenan Allen, like, there's hope there that, that, I mean, if they play their starters, that's a game they should win. 
So um, that's a big deal. I do see in the chat here, uh, thank you, a super chat from Michael um, Mathis. Sorry, it's very small on my phone screen, so I'll do my best to read this. Uh, 20 bucks. Thank you, Michael. And as everybody knows, our proceeds go to charity. We gave $40,000 to charity this year, 240000 plus over the course of Hawk Vlogger and Real Hawk Talk history. So thank you for the super chat. He says, go get him Seahawks. This is the time. Nothing else matters. Just win next week. No matter what happens, it's been a fun year. I'm so grateful. It's been a much more fun year than advertised. Amen, Michael. I think really, really well said. I think that how could anyone not have fun watching Kenneth Walker run the ball this year? Um, so, you know, I think that I think that Kenneth Walker now, he finished with like over 130 yards today. I think he has about 930 yards on the season. He went over 1,000 in total yards this, this game um, for the season, but he has a chance to break 1,000-yard rushing, become only, I want to say, the second – rusher and CX rookie rusher to eclipse a thousand yards. Kurt Warner was the other. And I'm pretty sure I'll have to see when I get back and maybe I'll do my stats later tonight. I'm pretty sure Kenneth Walker moved into second place for among all rookie rushers in Seahawks history. You will likely not guess who was second place before Kenneth Walker. I will let folks do some guesses in chat before I reveal the answer there. Don't look it up. Don't be lame. Just guess, have some fun. Um, but Kurt Warner was the first, um, and will remain there. So Kenneth Walker, though, I think has a very good chance of, uh, with his late surge of potentially getting offensive rookie of the year. He had been kind of the favorite mid year, and then he had that massive fall off. And then he, he's gone over a hundred yards the last couple of games. He's had some big games and, uh, you know, especially if he goes over a thousand yards for the season, I think, I think there's a very good chance, especially he gets another touchdown. He's at nine rushing touchdowns. If he gets a thousand yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, I don't think anybody's got a better resume for offensive rookie of the year. Yes. All the people that are guessing, uh, Thomas Rawls, you are correct. Thomas Rawls is the second leading rookie rusher or was, I believe he has in the eight hundreds, somewhere in the eight hundreds. So, uh, now you've got, uh, K nine Kenneth Walker going over 900 yards. So I believe he is firmly in second place. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this game for a second, you know, um, and I'll return to the draft stuff and other things in a second. Um, first I, I got to give hats off to Shane Waldron. That is the first person I'm going to talk about. And here's why. The Jets have a formidable defense. It's a good defense. And that is really built around strong defensive tackles and then excellent cornerback play, outside cornerback play. And what Shane Waldron seemed to do today was build a game plan that relied very little on either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. And that might sound like, okay, what's the big deal? Well, those are like 70%, if not more, of your passing offense over the year. They are your number one and number two offensive threats. And to build a game plan where you're not going to rely on them and for that game plan to actually 
start strong and get a strong lead and be pretty effective throughout, I give them credit. This was a game plan where they built it around the running game and around their tight ends. And so, I mean, DK Metcalf, I don't know if he even got a target until like the third quarter or like he was not targeted. And you could say it's Sauce Gardner, which I am sure I give Sauce Gardner. He was he played great. He was, you know, in tight coverage the whole day. But that hasn't stopped Seattle in the past from going after other corners. They go after Jalen Ramsey. So I think the game plan was to go to the tight ends and to some of the other targets. And they found there were some just schemed gaps for the tight ends. The early pass to, to Noah Fant comes to mind. I rose up out of my seat on the snap. I was like, he's open. 87 was un. Like he, the way that the, the jet zone was set up, he splashed right into the gap there. It was the perfect play call. I'm sure the Jets blew a coverage somehow, but still uh, really nicely designed. And the tight ends, I mean, Colby Parkinson had a great game. He caught pretty much everything that came his way. He had a nice touchdown. Noah Fant had a nice game. Kudos to Tyler Mabry. That's a guy I've always had a soft spot for. Um, he's a guy that was a, an undrafted free agent. The Seahawks brought him on, and he's never quite been able to break into the 53-man roster. But even in his first season, I made note that coaches and players mentioned him. And they mentioned that he was a great blocker and that he's tough. And I think when you've got coaches and players talking about an undrafted free agent and that they've impressed them, with their effort and things like that. I always take note of that. And he stuck around practice squad. He's been on it for a couple of years now. He's been grinding. I think he's had a couple games where he's gotten on the active roster, but never really for, you know, meaningful snaps on offense. And so for him to get a touchdown, not only was it cool for him to get that, but you could see his teammates were so excited for him. And I think, that was cool. That was cool to see. I was happy to see that moment. The Seahawks, the team, the players need some of those moments. It's been as rough as it's been for us. It has been at least that rough for those guys throwing their bodies on the line each and every week and just coming up short every time. So that was cool to see. Tight ends were definitely the 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 big part of this game. And then, you know, I think that, you know, Kenneth Walker, even DJ Dallas, both of them had big games. I think, I think there's a big difference between Kenneth Walker and every other running back on this roster. I think he, he's really, I'm hoping turned a corner in terms of his approach. There was a change in the second half of the chiefs game where he was really encouraged to just hit the line and stop bouncing everything outside. I thought that carried into this game where he hit the hole, he hit the line. There are a number of five-yard runs, four-yard, three-yard runs in this game where it wasn't like there was a big hole, but there was a bit of a push by the line. He ran into their backs. They pushed some more and got meaningful yardage, and that's big. Like Rashad Penny used to be like that as a rookie where he would just dance and move laterally and he could just never hit a hole. And so you just always wanted to see Chris Carson in the game because you knew at least Chris Carson was going to get you three plus yards because he was going to run 
in like plant his foot, run into the hole, push hard, get some uh, additional yards after contact. Penny started to learn this later on and became just a much better running back. So my hope is that this is a, a rookie lesson for K-9, the same way Earl Thomas had rookie lessons where he thought he could, you know, make certain plays or cover certain amount of ground and got burned a few times, learned lessons that carried over for the rest of his career. And he became, a you know, an all pro safety as a result. I'm hoping that, that Kenneth Walker has learned that lesson about not every play can be an improvisation. Not every play can be a bounce. A number of the plays, you just need to take the yards that are given and come back for the next play. So uh, really, really nice to see a uh, big running game. The Seahawks run for more yards than they passed in this game. Speaking of the passing game, you know, Geno Smith had an interesting game. I think overall, you've got to say it was a good game, clean game. This was the first game of the season that the Seahawks did not turn the ball over. People don't realize it, but the Seahawks have had a problem with turnovers this year. And it was also the first game in a while the Seahawks got turnovers. It's been a little while. So that does not mean that Geno did not have a number of questionable decisions. My buddy who I share season tickets with <laughs> said, if you remember the end, toward the end of the game, Gino spun out of a sack and tried to swing it quickly to the flat to where he thought his running back was nearly threw a pick six. It was crazy. And as soon as I saw his arm starting to wind up, I said, no. And my buddy's like, that's the fourth time this game that you've been screaming no before Gino let let go of the ball. And it's true. He he had a number of passes where the chances of them being intercepted was higher than the chances of them being completed. And so, you know, I think that his his judgment, his decision making has not been as good in the last half of the season. There's just no doubt about it. I thought the offensive line play was significantly better today. I thought he had more time today, and yet he still made some questionable decisions. So, um, you know, I think this was a good game for Gino. This was not a great game for Gino, and I'm happy for him. He was able to beat his former team. There was a, I wouldn't say there's a lot of Jets fans, but they're very vocal. You know, I've got family from New York. They're <laughs> It's not unusual for people to be obnoxious uh, from that neck of the woods. They're usually good humored and they can take it as much as they give it, but it's still annoying to hear them. Um, but I think it probably felt good for Gino and Pete. Anytime those two can have a win over the Jets, they both have history there. And uh, that was good for him. But yeah, I mean, I thought I'll have to go back and look. I thought Stone Forsyth having to start at right tackle. My guess is he had a pretty decent game overall, um, and I think that's good news. Uh, Charles Cross gave up one pretty ugly sack, but otherwise seems pretty solid. Um, and then, you know, let's talk about the defense. Like, as much as we've ragged on this defense, and as much as they deserved it, they gave up six points. Now, the Jets' offense is awful and has been pretty awful, but it's also been better when Mike White's been at the quarterback position. So say what you want about the Jets offense. 
I'll have to go back and look, but when Mike White's been the starter, I think that they've been a decent offense. And the Seahawks, you know, got three turnovers in this game. There, There is uh, a couple of interceptions. Con- Quandre Diggs gets an interception. Uh, Mike Jackson gets an interception. And then you got to talk about Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor ends up with two and a half sacks. I believe that gives him eight and a half sacks on the season. This was a guy that we hyped up coming into this year saying like, hey, is this going to be a guy that can be your featured pass rusher? Can he be a double digit sack guy? And within a few games of the season, he was basically benched because he was so bad against the run. He wasn't doing anything in pass rush. And they were talking about, okay, we can't play him, you know, as a starter numbers because he just wears out. So he's going to be a rotational guy. That didn't change that much. But here's the thing. Daryl Taylor now has eight and a half sacks. He has four strip sacks on the year. And that's not terrible. I mean, for a guy that's basically become a rotational pass rusher, who's also adjusting to what is a new kind of role in how he's being utilized. That's good news. It's good news. Like, compare... You could like I have plenty of bad things to say about Daryl Taylor. I'm not going to go in on them right now. I'm sure the other guys in the pod probably would if they were here. But here's the thing I look at: like L.J. Collier, that guy's been a nothing burger on top of a nothing burger on top of a nothing burger. Like he's 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 a bust. Like that's a bust. Um, Daryl Taylor's not a bust. He had seven sacks last year in his first full season. It was his second official year in the NFL because he missed the first season with injury. He now has eight and a half sacks in his second season. We'll see where he ends up. He's got five and a half sacks in his last five games. So he's got an outside chance to get into that 10 sack number. Like, I would have not guessed that for sure if you asked me five weeks ago whether that was going to happen. And he was a he was a problem today for them. He was a problem today. So um, I think that that's good news. Kudos to him. It was good to have Al Woods back. You know, I think he helped. It looked early on in this game like the Jets, almost every run looked like it was a crease just waiting to go the distance. But, you know, they managed to mostly hold their own. And then from the first quarter on, I think the Seahawks mostly shut down the Jets' offense. I mean... Um, again, I don't have all the numbers yet cause I just got off the train, but, um, you know, they, they, they don't score pretty much the rest of the game. So, uh, kudos to the Seahawks defense. I, th- I think, let me double check this. If you guys can hold on, uh, well, I won't do this. If someone wants to look it up, let me know. Last time I checked the, the jets were under three. If that's true, if they finish that way, that would be the second game in a row that the Seahawks have held a team under 300 yards. The last one was the Chiefs, which is pretty good. So, you know, um, that doesn't mean I think the Seahawks defense is good all of a sudden. It doesn't mean I think the Seahawks defense has been unfairly characterized. I think that they are not good. I think the talent level is not good. I think that they could easily use, like, eight or nine new starters next year (laughs) and like like a number of positions could be upgraded but 
credit to the team. They played better. Maybe credit to the coaches. They've, they've coached a little bit better. And they did it with Jordan Brooks going out for what looked like a pretty serious injury. I've not heard yet. I'm sure Pete's going to have it um, on his press conference any minute. But they ruled him out immediately. I'm assuming it is a serious knee injury. And, uh, oh, by the way, I just saw 279 yards. Thank you, pre-fight donut. Um, 279 yards for the Jets. So they did hold another team under 300 yards. Anyway, I'm assuming that um, Jordan Brooks has a serious knee injury. Um, you know, I don't want to speculate on what it is, but assuming it's a serious knee injury, then having it in the second to last game of the season you got to be worried about his availability for next year. Um, just the way, just the way the timing works out, you know, John Radigan's a good example. This is a guy that, um, that got hurt late last year and basically became available in the last quarter of this season. He had an ACL injury. I think I'm not sure. Maybe it's patella. I can't remember, but, uh, that's too bad. Um, we'll see. And I see that it sounds like Phil Haynes also uh, uh, had a legit ankle injury, according to um, Pete Carroll. Thank you, David. Long time follower. Appreciate seeing you on here. Um, so bad news for Jordan Brooks. Um, uh, I guess you're going to call it good news was that... Um, was that Tanner Muse played pretty well in reserve. Um, so I think that that is good news. And um, I'm not going to be here sitting here telling you, I think Tanner Muse should be in the plans for being a starter next year. I think the Seahawks interior, I think their inside linebackers are probably one of the worst parts of this team right now. And uh, unfortunately, it's not a super strong linebacker draft, but I think if Jordan Brooks is indeed out for a while, I think you are looking at inside linebacker becoming a higher a higher priority. Um, how high, I don't know, but it becomes a more certain priority for the Seahawks. Um, I will give uh, Cody Barton credit as a longtime detractor for Cody Barton. Um, I thought that he made more plays at the line or behind the line than he normally does. Um, so give him credit for that. Uh, and I didn't see any like glaring blown plays by Cody Barton, which is great. And speaking of not many glaring blown plays, I saw folks, you'll never believe this, but I saw it. Quandre Diggs made a tackle in the open field. Now it was 20 yards downfield, but that's his job. He's a safety. And he has almost every time I've seen that this year, he has blown that tackle. So good for him. Um, we saw a couple other guys make some plays in this game that, that you wouldn't normally hear about. John Abram uh, got a start. Former Raiders first round pick that was cut this year, went to the Green Bay, was waived by them, picked up by Seattle. He was in coverage when Quandre made his pick questionable whether it was pass interference on Abram, but still no call. Um, I think Abram had another decent play. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then um, I want to call it Xavier Howard. Uh, I might have the name wrong. I might be thinking of the Dolphins name, but anyway, 
uh, Crawford, maybe? <laughs> David Crawford. Anyway, in any event, um, he, uh, I think, got a hand on a punt. And if not, he absolutely impacted uh, a punt. Uh, that was a great play. So kudos to that guy. And let's see. Who else am I missing? I think that's pretty much it, you know? So I would say game balls definitely go to um, Shane Waldron to, I mean, you got to probably give one to Clint Hurt given the way the Seahawks defense has played versus how they played today. Um, and then uh, I loved what I saw from the tight ends, from the running back. Um, and yeah, I think Cody Barton played pretty well today, but, but Daryl Taylor for me on defense would be the game ball recipient. So, um, and Mike Jackson, you know, made a play. So that was great to see. So, you know, solid game. Now we've got to hope for the chargers to win next week. That's the most important thing for the Seahawks. And look, if the Seahawks don't make the playoffs, your consolation prize is probably going to be a draft pick between 15 and 17, you know? Um, I think that there's some people that would say the worst case scenario is the Seahawks winning these two games and not making the playoffs. I don't know if I agree. I think that winning is always good. And I will admit during the game, I was thinking exactly that. I was like, man, they're going to win these two games and they're going to get a way worse draft pick and they're not going to make the playoffs. And that sucks. And it does. It sucks. But I would just much rather have a Seahawks team that is playing well that, for example, today, that you're having a guy like a young player like Daryl Taylor show up. They're having a young player like Kenneth Walker show up. I would much rather have those games to build on, even if it costs you five spots in the draft, at least at where we're talking in the, the draft. <laughs> if you were going from like, three to 10, I would feel differently, but like 10 to maybe this will end up being 10 to 17 could have been the swing if they lost both of the games. But I, uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And so I, I, I am happy that the team's winning and, you know, let's see, let's just hope 2023 is, is a better year for where the Seahawks are going than, 2022 was ultimately but even 2022 was a pretty good year the team is better off now by a significant margin than it was when it exited last year significant margin so let's get as many of these guys healthy into the offseason so they can especially the young guys so they can have the offseason to improve and build upon this year and then who knows we'll add this rookie class from next year on top of this one and maybe some good things will start. So uh, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. I am going to end the post-game show there. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. If you haven't already, please give the show a like. Obviously didn't have to do the show. <laughs> no one else is around and, and uh, my family's waiting for me at home, but I'd appreciate it. it took a second to give it a like. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and then go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. I am not kidding that that is the best place for Seahawks talk right now. Um, it, you know, you get immediate access to the Slack channel. Once you've gone to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, hundreds of Seahawks fans there 
I think the conversation there is way, way, way better than Twitter. A lot of good information. Everybody immediately is breaking down implications to playoffs, implications to draft picks. Everybody's kind and you know friendly. And if they're not, they get booted. It's not like Twitter that way. So like, it's a good place to be with good folks, good Seahawks fans. And we talk about other Seattle sports stuff. So, you know, do yourself a favor, get involved there. Well, it's going to be, you know, a great place to be involved in all the draft talk all off season. So patreon.com slash Hawk blogger, head over there now. And uh, we will see you over there. A lot of the real Hawk talk crew has kind of left Twitter and is spending most of their time on the uh, Real Hawk Talk Slack channel. So uh, definitely advise that you get over there for all the best that we have to offer. So with all that in our past, I will just say um, Happy New Year to all of you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Really wish you the best and uh, go Hawks.